Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. You're about to listen to a Women in Tech Remix episode, where we present to you a curated selection of impactful clips from previous episodes that you may have missed. And be sure to follow the links in the show notes to listen to the full episodes. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of the Women in Tech show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create the Women in Tech show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, I'm Tatiana Mulry, general partner and co-founder of Steamwork Ventures, a series C to series A investment firm, and we're based in Los Angeles. The name Steamwork really came out of this realization that there were a lot of amazing companies in the in the STEAM subjects, right? Science, technology, engineering, arts, math. And that's where a lot of the jobs are going to come from. And so I noticed in my own community that we were overeducating our youth and sending them off to college to get these fancy degrees. And they were coming home to the community and they were not finding those kinds of jobs. And I was like, this is a big disconnect. Even in a small community of, you know, our city is about 300,000 people. We're creating this brain drain. So what's going on? Like, how can we actually stimulate the economy and have the right jobs waiting for people when they come back from school? And so I just set on this path to try to create that kind of opportunity in my community. I opened a co-working space that was originally called Steamwork Center you know, due to some construction problems, I ended up closing it, but it wasn't a, a magnificent, you know, time to really bond and find all of these amazing entrepreneurs who are doing cool things. They still were struggling to raise because they weren't in San Francisco. They didn't have the connections. Maybe like LA is maturing as a, a venture community, but it still takes time to create those relationships. And that's time that entrepreneurs don't have. They can't be driving five hours <laughs> in every direction to go to different events and still build their companies. And so, you know, I have been involved deeply in uh, different parts of our community. I've been involved in social venture partners with nonprofit pitch competitions here in LA, which were absolutely phenomenal. I love that. Then I also got involved with Founders Boost LA, which was previously called Startup Boost LA and kind of came out of the Startup Next spinoff from Techstars. And I've been mentoring startups for many, many years. Um, Now I've been running that program for two years as co-director. And so I was seeing these phenomenal companies from uh, with underrepresented founders, about 80 to 100 percent of our founders are from underrepresented backgrounds on some dimension. And they were coming out of these programs, getting into tech stars, getting into all kinds of great accelerators, getting starting to raise, but still feeling like there were some structural issues in the LA market. I wanted to personally be able to be involved in helping them get that cat that capital that they needed because I had all these really deep relationships with them. I felt like I could help them better if I had more access to capital on their behalf. And so that's where the venture 
uh, firm was started. I found a couple partners who are equally passionate about this and with, with amazing backgrounds. I would say I'm more of like the CMO type and product person. I have a CFO type with um, great exits and he like knows how to navigate companies to exit and private equity. And um, I worked on the MasterCard IPO. My other partner is more of an operations guy with a deep um, background in investment firms. And so we just had these phenomenal contacts and the three of us were like the three legs of a stool to help founders with the, you know, the foundation elements of getting their company off the ground. And we were just like, this is it. This is the perfect team. Let's go do this. Hi, this is Elizabeth Dell, founder of Amorous. We are the relationship intimacy app for couples. We are based in Los Angeles. I think a big part of it is For me, one of the things that was interesting coming into tech was that I have a lot of background in a lot of the pieces of startups, in building a company, in fundraising, in marketing and distribution. I just have it in a different industry and with a different language. You know, the words that I use to describe a project as a film project are really different. And just sort of the cadence, the structure, the things that people want to know about and how they want to know about them. So a lot of it wasn't, there was let's just say there was as much work that I had to do to learn how to talk about what I was doing as there was in figuring out what it was that I was doing. Um, and so it was, you know, it is both, okay, this is the roadmap or this is, these are my strategies for next steps with my app. But then also, these are the words that I need to use to describe them so that the person on the other end, if whether that person is a fellow entrepreneur or a potential hire or a potential investor, so that they understand what I'm doing and it signals to them that I know what I'm doing. And I would say there's being open to like spending a little time digging a little deeper and asking the question with especially with a new founder is this a i'm not hearing what i expect to hear like if if i'm feeling like they don't know or this isn't right or this isn't far enough along or this isn't a good idea asking yourself the question is this because of the way they're telling me what they're telling me, or is it really fundamentally because of what they're telling me? If somebody else showed up and said these, said a different set of words about the same underlying fact pattern, would it, would this ring well for me? And then if that's the case saying, oh, hey, maybe even just taking the opportunity to say, hey, you know what, when we talk about that, like generally investors use that term and I love what you're doing there or that thing is really smart. You know, if you say the words um, go to market strategy when you talk about the thing that you're doing to get customers, then I will feel more confident about it. And the next person coming will feel more confident. If you, you know, if you take the things that you're doing and then you call them customer acquisition strategies then I, as an investor, like that checks a box for me. And that's not everything. You know, that's not all of the, it's not going to magically fix anyone's problems for, you know, first time founders have lots of things that aren't language, but language is a barrier and being open to, or like both helping the person acquire the jargon of this new world, but also helping 
you know, giving them the, 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 the time and the thought process to interpret what they're doing, even if it's not in the jargon you expect. Hi, my name is Megan Loist. I'm an investor at Lira Hippo, where we're the most active early stage investors in New York. And also I'm the founder of Gen Z VCs, which is the largest and fastest growing community for young people in tech and VC with 11,000 plus members in our global community. I'm based here in New York City. What I will say is that I actually don't believe that opportunities have come for me. I've like had to fight and claw for like any given opportunity. So like every job I've ever had has been like literally pure force of will. Like getting hired at Lyra Hippo was pure force of will, like begging Andrea to talk to me and then like hustling to show that I could like get the job and like do the thing. And even in college, the, the growth equity internship I mentioned before, uh, well, actually both, like literally every job I've ever had has been me just like literally knocking down doors when no one wants to talk to me. <laughs> my growth equity internship, my sophomore year, again, I was a, it was my, I think sophomore spring, I saw a job posting on like Boston College's campus where they were looking for a senior to come on part time. Obviously, I was two years younger than they were expecting. And when I submitted my application, they didn't respond or like give me any feedback. So I showed up at their door with a cover letter. And I was like, hey, I worked at a hedge fund last summer. I know I can do this job. If you just give me like a few week trial, like I'll prove that I can do it and do it well. And so they did. They were like, okay, like she's ballsy. Like, well, well, like, and they loved me. And I came back the next semester, I kept doing work for them. And it was great. Even for General Atlantic, I was actually so I was the only woman in my summer intern class that summer, I was their first hire. And again, I basically was hired when they weren't recruiting, I like had to chase that opportunity. I was also the first person they hired in their analyst program, not from like an Ivy League school. So Boston College is a great school in its own right. But like, there's no on campus recruiting at BC, or, you know, people that are like, fighting to hire BC grads. Like I think I literally had to, again, fight and claw for every opportunity and GA was no exception. I knew I wanted to work in growth equity or venture capital. I went to Girls to Invest and I was like, hey, I know that GA is a partner firm of the fund. Like they won't talk to me. Can you guys like at least like give me their resume and cover letter? And I like hounded Girls to Invest to actually send my cover letter to GA. And again, like I talked, I talked to an analyst there. They're like, yeah, we're not hiring, but like I came in like wildly prepared. I put together like a four page prep document, like anything and everything in between. I, again, like thematically, I was like, these are the areas I was interested in. And then I did that first call. I made a really good first impression. And then they reached back out the next day. They were like, actually, do you want to meet like four of our partners next week? We'd love to think about having you be on our analyst class. So it's like, it seems very fluid, but like, everything I've ever done has been people at least telling me no first and me like proving and hustling. Like I'm like, I feel like I have definitely like an underdog complex. I think in a lot of ways, because even when you think about like, what is an invest, what does a venture investor look like? It's definitely not a 24 year old woman that went to public school and like a non Ivy league school. Like that's like not the, that's not what you think of, but like, that doesn't mean that I can't be a great investor. And I'm certainly not there yet. I have a lot of learning and work to do, but like, I have every right to be here and to show that I can, I can do the work. So I think it's a long way to answer. You create opportunities for yourself. If you don't ask, you don't get, if you don't like, you just have to like literally knock down doors and show people that you deserve to be in the room. Is, is it? (laughs) 
The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.